about six years ago, my family and I still lived in Memphis, Tennessee. And um, <clears throat> after our first after our first six months at that locale, I had exhausted all options for eating barbecue. Uh, as far as the bigger chains, as far as the places that had four and five star reviews uh, in the commercial appeal and other um, journal publications. And one Sunday, this brother approached me and said, hey, I heard you like barbecue. Well, I got a place for you to try out. It's uh, in downtown Memphis. And um, I've never been there. Well, I've been to downtown, but never at that address that he gave. And he said that this was the best barbecue in Memphis. So as a, a man, you know, who loved barbecue, I decided to take him up on the offer to go down to see if I could either validate, you know, or dismiss his claim as per this establishment. So one Sunday afternoon after church, I jumped in my car and I headed down to downtown Memphis and um, played my reggae tunes, you know, just vibing a little bit. And um, the GPS lady, a Scottish lady, started me to turn right and turn left and this and that. And everything is going very well, very well. And I get some barbecue at one of the best places, if not the best, in Memphis. As the journey <clears throat> proceeded, I began to take notice of my surroundings. And I saw, at first glance, uh, graffiti. And um, it was not, as far as environmentally speaking, the best, most, you know, opulent place. Graffiti. Um, I don't know if that's a good indicator of a well-primed and advertised and established barbecue joint. But I kept in high spirits. I kept my feet on the gas and my tunes playing and just thinking about the ribs and maybe the chicken and the sides that I would devour soon. But there was still the graffiti, you know, that sort of bothered me. As I kept on rolling, the graffiti-laced ambience turned into dilapidated buildings that had been boarded up. And uh, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, there's no way that an establishment so reputable in Memphis with the best barbecue could ever exist in a place like this, graffiti and uh, broken down buildings, you know. I'm like, I don't know about this, but I made a promise. I was going to go check it out, and I was almost there within two miles, so just keep on rolling, see where we end up. After all, the brother told me in the church, he's a Christian, so he must be out for my well-being. And I'm moving on, I'm moving on, I'm driving and I'm driving, and it's almost pointed miles to go, and then I began to look around again, and there's trash on the streets. And I'm beginning to be a bit worried. 
There's graffiti. There's broken down buildings. Glasses are broken. Buildings are boarded up. And there's trash littered everywhere on the street. And I'm like, there's no way, no way, good barbecue could ever exist in a place like this. The GPS said you have arrived, and I have a dilemma. Do I leave the car? Do I try to call in for a ticket? What do I do? But I had faith, great faith on that day. And so I parked, and I walked towards the diner. Walked towards this unique place that was very eclectic, very somber, wasn't painted in opulence, but it was there next to the car wash and the grocery store. You get everything from milk to diapers. And I walk in and I look around. It seems like a few years had gone and gone on and gone on, and there was no upgrades being made. The carpet, the walls, the old jukebox didn't really play, but it was there for, I guess, ornamental value. And you could cut the smoke with a knife. You could smell. You could taste. And as I go up to the diner, this guy is asking me, what you need, young'un? And as he addresses me, his voice was so mesmerizing that it entangled my will. I just went, as myself, I responded in my island vernacular. Yeah, man, let me get the number two with a side of whatever, whatever, whatever. Because I didn't feel like I had to put on an American accent. His voice made me feel so vulnerable, so at home, so let your ear down, the ear that you don't have, and relax. What do you need, young'un? You didn't ask me where I was from and hearing my accent. Which is what a lot of people do. Where are you from? Oh man, if I had a five bucks for every time somebody asked me that question. You didn't even notice that I was not from around here. He says, well, take a seat. We serve you right. Welcome home. I'm looking around. There's Asian folk. There's black folk. There's white folk. In this cramped up diner, there's guys with suits on, and there's a guy who washes the cars down the road. He has his little bottle of um, Amarillo in his pocket. His shirt has holes, and anybody checking him out, everyone is just like an ebb and flow of ethnicity in this barbecue drum because that thing is really good. No one is looking at him. No one is saying, hey, I got a suit, so this is a class war. You didn't got a suit. You can't be in the... No one's doing that. Sat down. Looked around. Stuck at home. Ate. Did not remember the graffiti. Did not remember the dirty streets. 
did not remember those broken down, dilapidated buildings because I was consuming good barbecue in the company of friends, not defined by what they wore, what they looked like, but all descending on that one diner because their desires were the same. We just want some good barbecue. If the barbecue is good, I can deal with some dirt. If the barbecue is good, I can deal with some dirt. The church is more than the steeple and the stained glass, the wafers and the wine glass, and the ministers of holy masters. The body is alive because the body is of Christ. May the God of all bless us all because the body is for all, Asian, Hispanic, black, and white. I want to be right here in the city four square, the true city of angels, the realm of no fear, the rock of Gibraltar, the rock of Ebenezer lifted high until I die. Matthew chapter 1. There's some dirt in the book of Matthew. There's some dirt in the book of Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus, from verse 8, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph before they came together, we don't know what that means, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her away in shame, resolved to divorce her. Quietly. I don't understand that. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't understand that. This is the text that has been preserved and translated for our, not only enjoyment, but for our salvation, our edification. What's that doing in there? Scandal, is this an episode from the Born and the Beautiful? The, the, the young and the restless? Or the edge of night? The, the secret storm? What is this doing in the pages of encouragement? Pages of divinity, God who revealed himself to the world. What is this doing in there? All these innuendos, all these things juxtaposed against each other. Well, did she, did she not? People are talking. What's that doing in there? I don't get that. That's scandalous, man. I thought it was about gentle Jesus meeting mild. But it was about looking the part and being perfect. What's, what's that doing? Mary? We're talking about Mary in the village? Man, I, was, I, I left her home at 8, 8 p.m. It wasn't me. I, it wasn't me. And she, she, she's pregnant. I'm like, I, I can't, I got I to put you away. This dirt. Chapter 1. There's more dirt. Chapter 2, and verse number 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem. All the male children. Just hang on that word for a while. All. Two years and one. All. If you have a kid sitting next to you, if you have a kid, period. If you know of a kid, period. Just think about that. 
people not being there anymore. All the males. Verse 7 it says, There was then was fulfilled that was spoken, which was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. I thought this was a document, a narrative of hope, of second chances, of everything working out and the good guys coming out on top. This is death. This is anguish. Don't be calling me. Don't tell me everything is going to be all right because it's not. He's not here anymore. I birthed him. He's not here anymore. I wiped his nose. He's not here anymore. He said, Mama, he's not here anymore. I fed him. Don't tell me anything about, oh, it's going to be all right. I don't want to be comforted. I refuse to be comforted. Matter of fact, the length of my days will be captured by this. She refused comfort. That's not joyful. That's not hopeful. That's what I was reading the Bible. What's wrong with this thing? Doesn't it work right? Is it missing a part? Doesn't it a jump start? Do you have to take out some things and add some things? I don't get that. Crying, weeping. We've had a hard month. I think we did about three funerals through these venues. People are boxing up memories and clothes and pictures and trophies and accomplishments because their loved one is not going to come back no more. What is with the church? We deal with death, we deal with pain. And sorrow, paramount to this, and that's some dirt. That is some dirt. What is that doing in here? It's not encouraging at all. You get to this guy. Chapter 3, verse 1. And in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Verse 3 says, Then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea, and all the district around the Jordan was going out to this guy who at locusts and wild honey. This guy who had a fashion faux pas from the get-go, this camel here thing that he was wearing. This guy who did not look the part. Lonely, probably smelled dirty too, probably looked dirty too, dirty hands. When those uh, dirt and other things, you know, enter into the fingernails, maybe that's what it looked like. Unshed unkept. They're going out to him for what? I don't see him dating anyone or making any wedding plans or thanksgiving plans. I don't see a table. I see isolation in those eyes. I see one who has been ostracized, though you might argue willingly. I see a man who spends his nights in the dark preaching 
a prophetic word and rehearsing to tell the masses that one is coming. Elijah does whose shoes I ain't even worthy to unloose, man. Such lonely eyes. Maybe steeped in regret. Going to be a barber. Going to be a businessman, a tradesman. In this stinking wilderness. Preaching to people that won't listen. Some might. I'm by myself. Dude, I want kids. I want kids. I'm going to have no kids. You ain't got no wife. You ain't got no wife. You ain't got no kids. Friend, let's go hang out. Nobody's going to hang out with you, John. I'm not trying to do that. You look weird. You dress weird. Lonely old man in the wilderness. I thought this was the gospel. I thought this was community. I thought this was Everyone has a place at the table. I thought this was, if you come to God, you will have friends and family and this and that. You're alone in the desert, man. You're by yourself. You'll be depressed. You'll be just overwhelmed. You're all by yourself. Then we get to Matthew chapter number four. As our narrative continues. You see a man that's essentially a diamond in the rough. Yo, I know you want to do it. I know you've been hungry in this wilderness for how many days, how many nights? I know you're hungry. Some stones right here. Go ahead. I dare you. I d -d 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 double dare you. I triple dare you. Go ahead. Turn it into bread. I know you want to eat it. I know. Your desire, your will, everything is condensed into this one emotion of satisfaction. Don't sing that song. I can't get no satisfaction. You can. Go ahead. Turn it into bread. Turn it. Man, man shall not live bread alone. Okay, I see you. I see. Hey, got some stuff, man. I got some kingdoms. I know you want it. What do you gotta do? Just, just, just bow down, man. Just bow down to me. You know, just say, hey, man. You know, you're the king. You're the king. No, bro. No. It's only one God. This is not two. There's only one. The Lord forbid. On so many occasions I've played the part of that one. With my own God. Do my own thing. Create my own destiny. Oh yeah, I believe in God, but I want to take the reins. I want to take the reins. And essentially that's like 10,000 chariots with no riders. So much power, so much force. But ain't nobody driving. You think you're driving, but you ain't going nowhere. Okay, um, we'll take you up on this pinnacle. God is so good. And he blesses everything and takes care of you. Like you say, like you believe. You, oh, I believe I can fly. Just jump down. 
You'll be all right. Angels will take charge. I'm not doing that, man. It's not about to tempt God. It's not about testing him like that. I'll prove his good and perfect will. Romans chapter 12. I'll prove it. I'll sure I'll prove it. But I ain't going to test him like that. Because he alone is God. What do you do with these things? What do you do with these things? You begin from chapter 4. You take this man called Christ and you jump back in chapter 1 where seemingly there's a scandal going on. But Jesus. You see, if Jesus is not in chapter 1, <laughs> you only have scandal. You only have shame. You only have they say and she said and he said. But God said. So the Holy Spirit will talk about that. The Holy Spirit. But chapter 2, this death, this lady refused to be comforted. Oh, he takes care of that too. I am the resurrection and the... Is this the Christian church? Yeah. I am the resurrection and the, the life. He who believes in me shall not perish. I saw them die. Oh, man. That's just a trick. Fear the one that can kill the body and the soul. That's just a trick. You ain't give me a spirit of fear, but a power level of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. And so, Rachel is weeping, and Jesus says, I got you, baby. I got you. I am the resurrection. They will rise. Matter of fact, in a better place right now. They were taken away by violence, but they are living in eternity in ecstasy. And I'm not talking about Nirvana or some sort of a high-polluting, concocted, you know, modern-day theory of where we go when we die. I'm talking about the place that we prepared for when we resurrected. Take courage, Rachel. You got your sister. Got your back. What about John, man? The man is alone. There's no wife. There's no children, which means no heritage. This guy's life is a waste, or is it? If you come unto me, you give up mothers, you give up fathers, you give up family. I got family. I got mothers. I got fathers. I got brothers. I got sisters for you. It's the body of Christ. Is it just words or is it really the body of Christ? But there's a lot of dirt in here mixed up all in this thing. But thank goodness for a good barbecue. Thank goodness for Jesus. Thank goodness for the gospel. See, my thing is, I've been dirt. No matter how I try to dress it up, always been there. My righteousness, things that are real good, self-righteousness, unrighteousness, the things I should not say that I say, the things that I should say that I don't say, the things that I should think that I don't think, 
the things that I should not think that I think, the way that I act with people, the things that I infer and deduce and concoct, all those things. Dirt, really. Is there a difference between dirt in the White House and dirt in the outhouse? I don't know. Human beings like myself, we are sure good at comparing dirt. And the only validation for dirt is something greater. Diamond in the rough. Surrounded by dirt. Condensed, compressed by dirt. Still being a diamond in the rough. And when it's harvested, it actually takes a lot of dirt with it into the laboratory. I say, I want to be next to that diamond. I'm going places, buddy. The gospel is the catalyst for God's grace, which means it is the dynamite spark that provides the vehicle for grace to appear and to work in our lives. What is this sermon about? Thanksgiving for barbecue. I'm sorry. Thanksgiving for the gospel, if you do not get it. People are seeking. People are searching. They're not looking for opulence. The biggest church buildings. The stained glass. They're not looking for the place where the landscaping is the most, you know, magnificent or magnifique, if you're of you know, French descent. Magnifique, that's okay. They ain't looking for that. Because no matter how you dress it up, human beings are in the same condition daily and we need the same sustenance and encouragement daily. And to dress it up in anything else other than what it is, is to perpetuate the facade. I'm okay. I'm all right. I don't need this. I don't need that. I said, there's a few brothers in there I talk to because I'm a young married person and sometimes I don't, I don't get it. I say, hey, um, when your wife does this, what does it mean? What should I do? Just being honest, man. Sometimes we struggle. I ain't going to give up. But sometimes we struggle. I want somebody to encourage me, give me some good advice. Not pretend like everything is okay. What's up with that, man? You're hurting. Everything's okay. I'm in the face. I don't care about that. If I go tomorrow, I want to go as dirt redeemed by the gospel. Not as dirt dressed up as something else, trying to be something else. We all know we are not. Like the biggest sham the devil ever gave humanity. If you pretend long enough, you hide long enough, the next person will think you're all right. And perception is true. So you win. You can't sleep at night. You're always hurting, you're always crying, you're always depressed, but perception is true. If they think I'm doing all right, then that's truth. It's not. So human beings are broken creatures. I'm a broken vessel. I don't claim any of this to be anything good for anyone. If you catch me on the wrong day, I might say the wrong word to you. 
I might be egregious. I might not be understanding. On another day, I might be your best buddy. Understanding, not egregious, helpful. That's just the cycles that we go through. And so I need a higher perspective, a higher mark to look at and say, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm tripping. Oh, I'm tripping. I'm trying to stay. I'm trying to stay. Because I'm dirty. And the only validation for my existence in terms of the goodness of it all is Jesus. Who brought the gospel. I'm sorry. I do apologize. But I'm not giving thanks for churches anymore. I'm giving thanks for the gospel. When you come through those doors, you are greeted by these gentlemen who believe in the gospel. And in a few moments, we'll hear the cantata sing stories of the gospel. Who have you got stuff to do on a Sunday afternoon? This is important. We're raising our faith. We're telling of our faith. We are spreading our faith. We are building each other up. So my kids go to hear the gospel. These wonderful men who do such a great job on Angie in the church's ministries. And Tim and all these other people who serve and do things. Not because we ain't got anything better. To, actually, we ain't got anything better to do. Because the gospel is the best thing that you can do. Not as a substitute, though. Well, I got to get my church time in. You know, to, if you're doing it like that, you will never be happy with it. It won't be of any benefit to you if you're not all in. And so I went down to Memphis to get some barbecue. And he says to me, man, welcome home. We got what you need. And that was it. Walk through those doors. What are they getting? What have they been introduced to? You and your hang-ups? Your frustrations? Or the gospel? I'm telling you one thing. If the gospel is real and it is, and you're focused on it, we'll be spending less time comparing each other's dirt. Because the gospel is so glorious and so bright and so inspiring and so invigorating that you can't sleep at night. Well, I want to do this. In Jesus' name, I want to do this. I want to be this. Working with Steve Ramondi for the past couple of months, trying to give the youth that perspective. See, people who are down on their luck, who are like, man, I've been praying for you to show up with that turkey. Thanksgiving turkey, that is, by the way. I love you guys. I'm talking to him. I'm out there. And people are just coming to give him money. I'm like, Steve, man, give me some money too, man. You know? Giving him money so that we could buy stuff for people in need. I never seen that before, bro. I never saw that before. I got goosebumps. Because literally, in a five-minute conversation, about four people came up. So I know you guys get it. People are doing it already. I don't want people to be introduced to me. This is a broken vessel. I don't want them to see the gospel. You give thanks for that. But for me or my ideas and my opinions, it's for the gospel. Um, I'm going to offer a, a time of open dialogue spiritually. If you want anything, need anything, we as a family are here to support, not just in words and lip service, but in reality.
So the avenue of encouragement and prayer is open. Feel free to come and make known the content and desires of your heart to the throne of God as we stand and give thanks for some good barbecue.